Hi, my name is Stephen Keith. I'm the CEO of Labrador Uranium. We're a relatively new emerging uranium explorer with a, a dominant land position within the, the central mineral belt of Labrador. It's a region that's been explored for over 15 years, 50 years, and has been uh, and is the, the, the home of over 140 targets along 125 kilometer belt that we control. And now we're starting our exploration season right now with a view towards proving up some historical resources that we have and, and looking for some fairly large discoveries in what we believe is going to be an exciting exciting new discovery region. Fantastic. Hey, good, good to see you again. I was sorry you come back. Um, was a new story to us, and I think a new story to lots of people um, at that point. Um, and uh, well, thanks for coming on, first of all. But probably I won't go over too much old ground because we, we kind of covered off a lot um, during the last actually couple of discussions. You're on stage with me as well. Um, but you've got the, the CBM, CMB uh, district. It's pretty big for a company of your size. I know you raised some money you know, back in April. How do you come at something like this? Because you got to be clever and acute with your money, don't you? Look, you really do. We're, we're, in a, we're in a blessed position now in that we have quite a bit of cash, um, both hard dollars and flow through dollars that we can put into the ground. Um, but you do want to be smart. This is a, a vast land position. It's almost 140,000 hectares. And again, as I said earlier, there was over 140 targets identified on this land package by previous owners. So how you go about it is really important because it's so easy to just you know, blow the money because you're looking all over the place. So you need a very clear strategy. The nice thing with this land package is, is, is we're coming at it from two approaches, which we think are, 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 is the right way to do it. So first, on the, the, the Western end of this about 125 kilometer long land package, we have a, a historical uranium resource at a project called Morin Lake. And in the last uranium cycle, the previous landowners uh, spent about $25 million here. And there is a historical uranium vanadium resource, but we believe it grows significantly. And we think that's for two reasons relative to what people did before. One is we now own all the land around it. We have all that historical data from that land around it. And we see several targets that come out of there that we want to test. So the questions we're asking are, does this existing resource or historical resource grow along strike significantly into a singular large deposit? Or like what we see further east in the same belt, but owned by Paladin, there's a very large 120 million pound uranium deposit, but it's actually multiple sort of smaller deposits. So is that what we have here? So the, the, the crux of our, of our 2022 campaign is to, to prove out what's there and to grow it both at depth, down dip and, and, and a long strike, because we do see that there's a trend there. For the rest of the land package, that does get tricky and you can easily kill yourself with just guessing. So what we're doing is, yes, the field team is going to go out, do some traditional mapping, some ground geophysics. Perhaps in the winter, we do some aerial geophysics. But what we're really doing to find the best targets is we, we've, we've brought on an exceptional geological team that has expertise not only in field geology, but in, in building their own artificial intelligence or machine learning. And right now they're processing over 50 years of historical data in this entire belt to come up with distinct targets. So not, you know, here's some copper here, here's some uranium here, but something that combines known outcroppings or, or, or grab samples of uranium and copper that we're finding in this district, the geophysics and the deep structures that come in because it's an exciting area. 
It is a giant land package. So we know stuff is there, but how do you narrow that down? So on the known project, you drill it and you grow it traditional old school geology. And on the rest, there is that traditional old school work, but how can we apply modern methods to come up with distinct targets so that in 2023 and beyond, we can be more targeted with our cash and our exploration with a view towards finding that giant deposit or preferably deposits that are hosted within this this belt. How, do you, so how does um, a company like you, yours, it's a new company, obviously you raised the money, which is, was, was all kind of good. But there's, there's a whole bunch of um, juniors coming into this uranium thesis um, you know, the Australian companies buying up Canadian assets and those Canadian companies starting up with the, you know, whatever they can get their hands on here. But the, the guys that seem to get noticed are the ones in the Athabasca basin, right? It's, it's traditionally, that's where the super high grade stuff is and the, the biggest companies, um, have been born out of how are you going to compete? In an environment like this, at a time like this, to get people to look at um, where you are in Labrador? Look, that's an exceptional question. It's actually the right question. And, and I think people get bogged down by this. So the Athabasca, especially from a, a, a press release headline point of view in general, is always going to look better. It's got the best grades on the planet Earth. And we're seeing these beautiful deposits there. The, the downside of the Athabasca is firstly, there's a lot of guys there. We're seeing a lot of projects that it's very deep. So your exploration is fairly expensive. It's really deep. So you do need, it's not just grade, you need to make money building a project. So you need size as well. And when you get to depth, it does need to be bigger and sexier. So where we are, we are dealing with deposits that are, are significantly lower grade to the Athabasca but not relative to the rest of the world. So if we're looking at a global context, we're right in the mix. But we are in, we are, to be, to be clear, we are an expensive area to explore and develop. There's very little infrastructure. So our view is very different. So the Athabasca, you need the high grade and you need size to get down at that depth. For us, we need the size because it is lower grade and needs to be large size because you're going to have to put in infrastructure. But we have several advantages that don't exist there. So firstly, um, this basin is, is looks pretty clearly to be an IOCG potential belt because there is a lot of iron, there's a lot of copper, there's a lot of gold that's associated with this uranium. There's a massive uranium deposit at the East End with, the Pal with Paladin's Michelin deposit sitting right there. So we know the uranium's there. We know it comes right to surface. That's a big advantage. So yes, it's lower grade, but it comes to surface. Um, so that will help us over the long time, but, um, and, and, and then again, it's a global game. So yes, the Athabasca will get the headlines. Yes, there will be some big winners there, but the supply and demand dynamics are going to allow for a lot more projects. And we're not necessarily gonna compete with those guys. We're competing against the globe. So can we, can we provide a better project than say Kazakhstan? If we get similar economics, we're already better in that we're in a jurisdiction that's safer at a time where geopolitics is playing a bigger and bigger role. Um, so, so look, I think you, in the end, when one looks at mining and commodities, we often get singularly focused in one thing at a time. So we want uranium and high grade. I focus and our team focuses on economics. Can we make money? And if we can, then you keep digging it. And maybe we make discoveries that aren't pure uranium. Maybe we make discoveries that are not uranium. But if they're economic, it can make a lot of money. 
That's our job is to bring those to light and to do that for our shareholders. So we're not we're not going to be blind. Okay, let's let's dig into that a little little bit deeper for those you know the uninitiated here. So Athabasca, much higher grade, but much deeper and therefore much more costly to get it out of out of the ground. You're saying so it's a much higher cost component there. You are much lower grade, but much shallower. Are, are you, would you liken yourself to some of these African places? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think we could compare ourselves. Like if you look at Namibia, so, so Langer Heinrich, which, which Paladin is in the midst of, of redeveloping now, has very, very similar size and grade to what the same company Paladin has right next door to us at their Michelin deposit. With those two at the exact same, let's, and they're not, but let's call them the exact same, Namibia will win. That's why they're building it there first, because your operating costs and frankly, your construction and, and other costs will be lower. Um, but you have several other factors that play into that. And again, it's not like we only need to build one mine in the world. We need multiple mines to come online. Um, but then the question is, once they build that, where do they go? This is their most likely next location. I don't know. I'm not talking to their CEO on a daily basis, but I would expect that as that gets fully financed and closer and closer to, to getting to where they want it to go, I think we start seeing more eyes, at least from them in this basin. Um, so, but, but yes, grade-wise and size-wise, it's sort of Namibian, but it's a, we are in a harder rock environment. Ours will be more costly relatively, and, and that's, that's just the truth. However, just to finish that point, so on an apples-to-apples basis, we might be at a disadvantage. But then we have to look at the other factors. And one of those factors is, for example, at our Morin Lake project, it's about 50% of the economics, if not two thirds of the economics, that is actually vanadium. It's a vanadium uranium project. Throughout this basin, there looks like there's quite a bit of copper as well. So if we're starting to find these other commodities, so we can, let's say we get close to competing on the uranium size and grade as say Namibia or Kazakhstan or whatnot, um, but, does it put us over the top if we find other minerals that, that either, you know, you can look at it one or two ways. It lowers your uranium cost, increases your revenue stream. Um, and as long as it works, and, and the nice thing is the things we're finding there, copper, vanadium, still work within a larger global thesis of energy. And energy is, is, is what we're really focused on. And we think that that's where the growth place will we'll stay. Okay, so lots of byproducts. I, IOCG, uh, iron ore, um, copper, gold. Um, potentially, and vanadium, definitely. So you, I think you sort of said, in a kind of meaningful way, you don't really kind of care where you find, how much uranium you find, as long as the metals coming out of the ground are economic. Um, it, it, sorry, am I being a little bit too um, glib here? No, look, obviously it's in our name, it's in our DNA, it's what we want is the uranium. And one thing people often forget is it might be the largest uranium mine, if not one of the largest uranium mines, is an iron ore, copper, gold mine, right? It's 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 uh, Olympic Dam in Australia. So um, uranium is going to come in this system almost no matter what. It's everywhere in this region. But it, is it going to be the largest paying factor? Maybe. Um, but we can't ignore... As we look for the uranium, if we find other things, we will not ignore that. It's kind of what I'm saying, right? So, and because again, it comes down to one critical thesis, which is you've got to find an economic mine. And our job, and especially the board's job, is as you're spending money and you're doing the work, sometimes you have to pivot in strategy. We don't foresee that happening right now, but you have to be open to it. You have to be realistic. So I don't hide from that. It does allow, you know, 
you to ask me that question. It's a very fair question, but it's it's about it's about what we find in the ground. Right, but if I look at Olympic Dam right in, in Australia, it's 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 iron ore, copper, gold, and the uranium as a byproduct. If if anything, it kind of you know kind of has kept prices down in, in the past because um, they don't care. They really don't care about it. They'll just sell it into traders and they'll sell it for whatever because that's not what they're that's not the size of the price here. Can can I ask you about what what you're seeing on on your property? Is if there is an IOCG component here? Maybe I'm getting a little bit too. Um, focused in on this unnecessarily but does do you go after that in an IOCG story in a different way from say you would you know if you're chasing you know pure uranium play in terms of the drilling the targeting uh, and the measuring so when you're looking at things like IOCGs in general they tend to come from deep structural processes and you're going to be drilling a lot deeper it will be more expensive so before we started, before we start really targeting things like that, we're going to make sure we get the the machine learning process right, and probably do some more detailed airborne geophysics like gravity and whatnot. Because you don't want to just go blindly drilling for those things. Um, if but if you find both, if you're doing both, look, markets, cash balance, all those things are going to play a role in it because. There is a scenario where maybe you have a very uranium-focused deposit that you find and a non-uranium deposit that you find that is more pure copper or something. And, and that is, you, you, you work them because there could be value in both, but you might get to a decision point later on in the company and you spin one out. Do you have to? You don't have to. But there are a lot of investors that like more pure focus or pure play. Right now, as a regional explorer with a huge land package, yes, we're focused on uranium, but let's make the discoveries, let's spend the money, let's do the right science. And as we develop these, these targets and find out what we are, then we make the decisions. But I think the answer is, if there's some you know, billion dollar potential IOCG target at depth that needs extra money that is less uranium focused, if the market likes, maybe you spin it out later. Um, that's something, you know, that's a more of a Hollywood problem. And that's something we deal with then at this point in time, it's let's make the discoveries and see what's there. Okay. But let me, let me stick with it just a little bit longer. Okay. Cause you've got this historic 43101 on the project, right? And with AI, you've got to define, um, how you interpret those, the variables and what new variables you put in and, and that affects what it come, what it spits out at the other side. Right. So you, how do you do that? Is because you got to say they keep it nice and broad. Or are you saying, well, like for now, let's focus in on the uranium component. That's what we're hunting, and that's what we'll look for. In which case, the the conversation about byproducts kind of gets a little bit, well, not harmed, but it, it, it perhaps won't you know show as well as it could do. So again, so I'll separate it out. So at Morin Lake, say there's not a lot of AI to be done there, right? It's been drilled. It's got the geophysics. We know the targets. We're building it out, and, and we'll just. We'll keep growing that. But again, with this other land package, so it's it's an iterative process. So we're starting, and so and so how it works, and this is not my strength. So I will I'll give the 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 way high level view of this, and we can all make fun of me for it later. But we 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 do have two individuals, so Dr. Paul Pearson and Drew Heisman, who have both won awards now with Drew just getting a PDAC for developing machine learning for exploration. And so the two pieces are. You have to teach, for lack of better terms, the machine what it's looking for. 
And that requires geologists and it requires models to, to go with. Now, the nice thing is we're sitting with Paladin's plus or minus 120 million pound deposit in the same rocks in the same belt here. So that we, we, we with their technical data and what's out there, you have a pretty good idea already of this basin of where, what structurally or geologically you're looking for. Um, on top of that, there are other models like Olympic Dam or whatnot in the world. So that's what you're teaching the box what to look for. On our side, we start with this, there's about 50 years of historical data throughout this basin of, of guys who started from prospecting for copper to finding gold to our rare earths to uranium. And the, the, the dozen companies that have been in there, all that data is there. And so we, we look at that data, we refine it, um, and that which is usable, because let's be clear, when you have that long a history, not all of it's usable, um, you feed that into the box um, to try to come up with targets. Um, we will find some holes because not all that historical data necessarily agrees with itself or, or with what's there. So then we add what we're going to do this field season and some additional geophysics like the gravity over the whole thing. But the number one goal is to take, you know, when Altius had this asset, they came up with 146 targets. Sounds great. But you need to turn those into projects. So if if you've got 30 of those targets are on a sort of seven kilometer trend and there's certain geophysics that shows you there's something deep structurally as well as some containment structures and, you know, amongst other things, um, then you start to say, oh, there's something coming up here. So as opposed to some guy finding a grab sample at surface, and this is what happened in the last uranium boom, a lot of it was just people were drilling surface anomalies. That's why we believe strongly there's so much more opportunity is when you start to apply at a higher level, more science and looking at this from a larger point of view, we believe we'll be able to get some of that stuff that comes out of it. But again, it's about refining from massive numbers of targets to, is it one other project that's several kilometers long? Is it five? We think it's closer to five than one. Um, that then become almost individual projects within the belt. Because to try to keep together plus or minus 140,000 hectares for 20 years and see what's there, you're just going to go broke over and over again. You've At one point or another, you've got to let projects float to surface, but you want to know what the best ones are. And that's 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 the process. I know it's convoluted and a really long-winded answer. No, 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 that, that's perfect because... Um, it, especially in a market like this, and one comes to that in a second, is you know I, I said at the beginning, you need to spend your money wisely. Um, and when you're you know market, you know Dan, where you are, you know junior, junior company in terms of market cap, in terms of uh, share price, you you need to make announcements to the market in a, in, a, in a certain way, and they you know and you hope the market reacts positively to those things. Bigger companies, you've got choices to perhaps do it a slightly more systematic um, way. So I've no problem with that answer. Okay, you, you use a phrase in your PowerPoint, you talk about well-timed opportunity in uranium, right? Nothing feels well-timed at the moment. So, you know, why, 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 do, you, why do you say that? And, you know, why, why do you get to win where, when perhaps I'm, I'm looking at other uranium juniors like straining under, you know, cash, well, cash constraints for, for one, but also the fact that they're, they're making what used to be catalyst moment type announcements and the market goes, Phew, really don't care. I, I'm concerned. Uh, I'm worried that some of them don't come out the other side. And, and I'm concerned about that as well, because no, my view is this. I don't want to see people fail as explorers in this space because it just makes everyone look more risky. Um, I talk about a, a well-timed opportunity for two reasons. One, 
from a corporate point of view, the two times we ended up financing, so October of last year and March, April of this year, the market was in very good shape and very happy with uranium. So we were, now we didn't pick it, it was a, it was a happy accident, but we had these tailwinds that allowed us to raise almost $20 million, half of which we were still private when we did. Um, so that's opportunity one. We were able to cash up using those tailwinds to put ourselves into a strong position now that the market's kind of crumbling for juniors, the cash is now sitting at the sidelines. We took advantage of that opportunity and now we're okay for a little while. Um, and then the other side of the well-timed opportunity is, so that's the short term from the corporate point of view, we strengthen ourselves. But I, you have to look, you don't have to, but if you're gonna pick commodities, I, I, my view is you look over medium to long-term as to what's happening. So the market's doing what it's doing. I not intelligent enough to tell you why there's a thousand reasons as to why it's doing what it's doing um but for me the long-term fundamentals of supply and demand for uranium and then battery and energy metals as a whole are only getting better and so we will see fluctuations in the market we will see times where smaller companies die because they can't raise money or more likely get bought out because they're they're so small and someone sees the opportunity um but you know the guys that stuck to their knitting in the last 10 years you know uranium was hot it died people that stayed in the uranium space just made a lot of money over the last years because they know or believed in this over over the long term um and again europe moving towards not moving towards they just have they declared it a green energy so we're going to see theoretically more in europe japan is building these reactors we're seeing more and more of these modular reactors get designed and look like we're gonna build them in North America and Europe. We're starting to see plants getting built in parts of Africa, India. It, it is growing so well and we need a source for this uranium. And then you add to the thing again in the geopolitical world, I wanna be that uranium in a safe jurisdiction. So um, the timing, if, if it was today, if I'm asking for that timing, no, the timing's not great. From a fundamentals point of view, it's amazing. I'm very happy I cashed up when I did because I wouldn't want to have to do it right now. No, and I think a few people are regretting not not doing it. Sometimes um, it's about luck. You know, you, yeah. you get lucky. Okay. Um, so in, in terms of um, your kind of your, your catalyst moments, those are things that you're in charge of because you've got the capital to decide what what you want to do, and you seem to be not frightened of advancing things and spending money because that what takes you through to what the q4 next year i mean how, how long does your money last depends on how aggressive we want to be and it depends on the markets i know that's not a but that's, but that's, no but it, it's 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 it it's the it's the conversation i want to have though because again yeah. you can choose to move at any pace you want because you have got a view or don't have a view of what the market's going to do right now it feels like the rules normal rules don't apply uh, so therefore do you think this is a it'll sort itself up by the end of this year, so we'll spend accordingly, or it's uh, actually um, banking on Q3 next year, so we'll spend accordingly there. So how, how are you coming at it? So we look at it this way is, is, so we had the opportunity when we were budgeting for this season, like the, we had budgets that were eight, nine, $10 million. And we settled on five and a half, why? Because we knew what we could do with it and we were ready to spend it. We told people we were going to spend it, and that's what investors want us to do. Um, but you hold some of that back because we want to know what happens with this program before you make the decisions on the next program. What if you make some great discovery and you've wasted your money somewhere else? Not, wasted is not the right answer, but you want to be smart with that money. So 
if we're coming out with good, good results and there's more to do that looks really exciting, then you keep that spend going. Um, but we had a very good discussion at the board level is do you spend it all? That's what we told people we do and then try to raise again. Um, it was on the table and the decision was, because I'm still not, because again, we have with the flow through money, for example, we have two years to spend it to so the end of 2023. So we know what we can spend this summer. Let's see what the results are. Let's see what we want to spend next year, driving, trying to drive the answer forward. Um, and then again, the aggressiveness of that is very market dependent you, 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 and, and investor dependent. You know, do you do a down round? Rather not. But if you have to, is there money available? Um, but we could easily survive next year, um, should we want to, without doing anything. Um, and you just always have to be looking at, look, you have to look at all the factors, but, um, you know, the, the, being a public company can be a very, very tricky thing. Our desire is to move projects forward, to turn them into something real. We're not about the arm waving and just get the press release and shut it down. Um, but being stewards of cash is, is the hardest part of being a junior company because everyone wants to spend it. Look, you got to look around you. We're looking around right now. This market is not good. You just It's not prudent to spend your cash. So it's a bit of spend some because you got to drive it forward. Hold on to some to both see where the science goes and is there more to spend and be just being prudent not to blow yourself up. I, I have, having worked in this industry for over 20 years, I think one of my largest frustrations uh, as two sides of the same coin is either A, when markets are good, people don't take the money that's offered them because they think, oh, this next drill program is going to give me 10 cents more or I want five cents more for this. And now the market blows up and you can't raise money. And then what happens is you get to the other side of the equation is you have these companies that have to raise like, oh, I got to raise $75,000 because I got to pay this rent and this thing and this thing to keep the lights on. That's very frustrating to shareholders because you're usually doing that at, you know, one twentieth of a cent and on you know fire deals. So the the control of your money and what's happening make, make makes a big difference. Um, you know, again, did, were we for flow through? We thought about taking it earlier. We thought about taking it later. An opportunity came and we took it. And and uh, but on the spend, you still have to watch the markets because that's where you raise your money. Okay, you don't talk much about First Nations. We've seen a few companies kind of blow up projects because they kind of didn't come out that right. What's, what's the situation in Labrador for you guys? Labrador is complex. So within the basins that we work, there are two uh, indigenous groups within the re region. So one is the, the Inuit, uh, and the Inuit have their own self-government. It's the Nunatsiavut government. And so they actually have a process now for permitting and application. So when we got our permits to drill and build the field camp, they had to approve those and we went through them and we work quite well and quite closely with the Inuit and we'll continue to. Um, it is a dialogue and it is fundamental to what we do. We will, I will be meeting with them several times a year, every year, um, because in Canada projects will not get built unless you can develop those relationships and, and, and get people on side. Permits are going to go through them. Even if, even if they didn't have self-government, most provincial governments are, are, are loath to give a permit if the First Nations are not on board. So it is a big part of our development plan. Um, we are already working with the local communities near us, which tend to be, be very, very uh, uh, you know, dominant with, with the Indigenous communities. The, so most of the central mineral belt and almost all of what we do works with the Nunatsiavut government. 
um, our, our, our head of community relations, director of community relations, is um, is a bene- beneficiary of the Nunit Siavit. So he and his family, his family is, fr- is from the area. So it is important to us. And frankly, it's fundamental. You, you don't get to build mines without it. As you move further north from our project, and we do have a project that we're not exploring this year, we were going to, um, but we've slowed down because that area is, is within um, the Innu area of, of jurisdiction. The Innu right now are working on their own self-government. And in so doing, they're not particularly keen on seeing a lot of people come in and do a lot of work until they've established their government and their self-government. And so our decision was, as we started to put in applications for the Natakwanan project, um, we found that they really just wanted to focus on working with the government of Newfoundland on their, on their, on their work. Um, and so we thought, let's, let's let that happen. And so then to tie all that together, it becomes the, the biggest piece of what we have to do is, even if we have great relationships and, and we're developing those now, it, it's going to take time. We are on people's traditional land and let's also call ourselves what we are. We are a uranium explorer and uranium, I'm a big fan of, it scares people. And I understand why it scares people. And if this is traditional land and people don't understand, it is, it's on us to, 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 to provide that education and to show. So where are the mines in the world? What are the environmental problems that have had, if any at all? Why can I build this? And that's, that's going to be multi-years. But let's also be clear, from discovery to mine building, we've got over a decade. So we have time. But the very first thing we did before we were even a company we went into some of these communities and started that discussion, and that is that is something that we will continue to do. Okay, and right, so let's 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 kind of wrap this up here. You've, you've drilling has commenced at Moran Lake. Um, we'll be seeing results coming through in well, ho- hopefully, really sw- swift fashion. Will we? Or there's still big delays happening. There's, there's still pretty big delays out there now because we're uranium. It might be a little less than some of the other guys out on the east coast. The the, the issue they've had is lab prep. Um, but there's, there aren't, you know, we're not testing for all the other metals. Well, we will have to, but like uranium stuff tends to go to Saskatchewan. So we hope there isn't a delay, but we did see last year, a lot of explorers in this region had months and months of delay on their assays. I'm hoping not to have that. In the meantime, we hope to be able to talk more about the results of machine learning. There are downhole, downhole surveys that you can talk about with uranium because of how you test them and whatnot, but we might not be able to say what the exact grade is, but yeah, we're hoping that we can get enough information on on intersections, on growth of targets, and on new targets over the next the next next few months, and as we lead into Q three, Q four. But we're in Q three, so Q four. 